Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Don't Wait Till Pigs Fly, a podcast for and by successful business people who also deal with the pain and frustration of chronic illness. Here's Nancy Becker. Today, we're talking with Dave Blum. He is founder and president of Dr. Clue Treasure Hunts, the world's largest team-building treasure hunt company. He earned a BA in English from Pomona College in Claremont, California, a professional coaching certification certification from IPEC, and is the immediate past president of Santa Rosa, California Toastmasters. After a three-year stint teaching English in Japan, Dave worked in tourism and the nonprofit sector before discovering his destiny as a treasure hunt master, team-building trainer, writer, and speaker. Over the past 23 years, Dave and Dr. Clue have created over 150 team-building treasure hunts worldwide on three continents for more than 800 clients, including Oracle, Cisco, T-Mobile, Bank of America, Apple, Autodesk, and many others. Just a few of Dr. Clue's treasure hunt locations include Santa Rosa, San Rafael, Haroldsburg, San Francisco, Chicago, New York, Orlando, London, Paris, Geneva, India, and even Dubai. Wow, that is really an impressive bio, and it sounds interesting. Welcome, Dave. Thank you. Great to be here. I have got to, before we even get started in anything, I need for you to describe for me what you're talking about when you talk about a treasure hunt. Well, interestingly, there's a difference between a treasure hunt and a scavenger hunt. Most people would assume they're the same thing, but those of us in the quote unquote industry know there's a difference. In a scavenger hunt, you would just be executing a list of objects. Find the object, put it in a bag, bring it back, count it up, the team with the most objects as is a winner. In a treasure hunt, by contrast, you are solving clues that are site-specific. You solve the clue, and it leads you to a particular location in the treasure hunt area, carefully chosen by the treasure hunt master in advance. So in a way, I'm laying a trail of breadcrumbs, and if you solve the clues, you will reach all of the locations that I have uh, discovered for you. Now, you do it uh, as a team, And so it's really up to you to figure out who is the right person for each clue because the clues are very tricky. They're based on puzzles and code and cipher and trivia quiz, the whole kitchen sink, Morse code and pig Latin, everything we can think of. So you solve the clues, you reach different cool locations, and if we've done our job right, you're going to get an irreverent walking tour of the coolest hidden treasures of the area at the same time that you're building your relationships and your communication. That sounds fascinating. It, it also sounds like a couple of different things. Is it like the Pokemon stuff that everybody's doing these days? Or I don't know anything about Pokemon. It just sounds like they go on these little hunts trying to find. You know, you know it, it's not dissimilar. Uh, the Pokemon and uh, geocaching, if you've heard of that, mm-hmm. all are, are kind of computer-based and cell phone-based and technology and our hunts, we, we occasionally do use a smartphone app just to help gather photos and videos. But primarily, a tre- great treasure hunt needs to be old school, I believe. That means pen on paper solving puzzles. Because you, there's only so much you can do on a little small screen of your cell phone. But a great treasure hunt, you are 
writing right on top of that clue and you are decoding that Morse code. Uh, so it's a, it, it's a little bit more of a tactile pirate treasure hunt kind of concept, which I think people are hungry for. Yeah, and I know there's a couple of businesses that have opened up around here recently that sound a little bit as well like this, and they're like the Great Escape or something like that, I think is the name of them, where you, you get locked in someplace and you have to try to figure out how to get out of them. Is, is it like that at all? Because I know you have to solve questions in math and stuff. Well, what you're describing is a slightly different concept, which is called an escape room. Mm. And in the escape room, which uh, started a craze in the last few years, you are locked in a room, you have to work together as a team to solve puzzles, and then your goal is to get out of the room. You've got an hour or an hour and a half to escape. And I would say that our hunt is kind of like an escape room without walls. So you're, you're not locked in anywhere, but you are going to be solving similar kinds of puzzles and codes. The only difference is that you're not limited to eight or ten people. You can do uh, dozens and dozens of people. Also, it's uh, highly facilitated. Uh, the escape rooms are usually not. And, uh, and there's no walls, which means that we take advantage of the neighborhood, the park, the museum, the community, so that, again, you're getting out and you're feeling this expansive feeling as opposed to being locked in a room. Yeah, it's a much more positive feeling, I can tell, just from, from listening to you. You know, I think your main, your main thing with an escape room is, let me out of here! <laughs> you know, you're not yeah, really yeah. taking advantage of... It can be a little bit stressful, particularly because there's no facilitation per se. Uh, it can be kind of chaotic, just everybody running around. What do we do next? Whereas our programs really actually coach people on how to be a high performance team. Well, and that was actually going to be my next question is how this sounds like a wonderful, wonderful thing just for people to do for energy, excitement, something to do in an afternoon, but you're talking about doing this with all these huge, big businesses. How does something like what you do have to do with businesses? Well, I think most of our clients, their number one priority is that they have uh, dispersed teams geographically and they don't know each other very well. And there's definitely a feeling and uh, proven by a lot of science that when people don't know each other, it's much more difficult for them to trust. And then, of course, it's much more difficult to get work done. And so uh, we definitely want to uh, lower the water level a little bit so people get to know each other. So regardless of, of anything else, people will get to know each other's superpowers, right? And yeah, I think that's yeah. a, and there's a lot to be said for that. But there's also a, a great deal of strategy involved in our game and the parallels back to the workplace are pretty, pretty clear. You have to, uh, again, you have to figure out what, uh, how, what order you're going to do the clues. How long are you going to spend on each clue? What roles are people going to play? How are you going to make your decisions? All of these various things we actually coach people on. They actually do a team contract at the beginning of the hunt where they figure out what their ground rules of behavior are, what their roles are going to be, uh, what, what their walking speed is. One of the most important questions actually is, we ask people, regardless of whether you win or lose, what is a win today? Because I think so many people get caught up in a competitive mindset that is more of a zero-sum game. If we win, it's a success. If we lose, it's a failure. And that is a very dreary and uh, stressful life if you live that way. And so I, I really want people to dig deep and think about what is a success no matter what happens to the results of the game. You know, I, I once heard it said that, it, 
that if you're number one in the industry, obviously you're making a load of money. But if you're number two in the industry, you're making a load of money. And, and everybody is like, we have to be number one or nothing. It's like being number two is not the worst thing in the world. If I were number two in my industry or number three in my industry, I would be very happy. So I think there's a, a, an attitude that we can encourage in our programs uh, that I think is very, very relatable. And I think the number one thing is that we always have some element of cross-team collaboration. That means that you'll have a clue or a series of clues that you can't do alone. And slowly it dawns on you. We don't have the resources or the information to solve this clue by ourselves. Do we have to talk to one of the other teams? And, it's, and usually it's a disconnect because people have already fallen into a tribal mentality that the other team is the enemy and we can't talk to them. If anything, we should sabotage them. But what's interesting is that we can interrupt that and say, hmm, maybe if you work with the other team, there's an advantage. Maybe if you see other teams and other departments and other divisions as potential allies and partners as opposed to enemy, that maybe there's an advantage. And that's an innovation that everyone takes away from our programs. And almost always they'll say to me afterwards, if I had to do this again, I would look to partner earlier. I love it. And I can see, um, considering most of the businesses that I work with are little one and two person businesses and, you know, um, confrontation and competitiveness for as long as I can remember, and I'm sure all farther back in history, that's been the main form of business rivalry is, you know, we, we look at, I don't want to have anything to do with you because you're my competitor. Yeah. Well, if you did something like this where you were at a conference of small businesses, like the conference that I do every year, and we set out one of your treasure hunts as one of the exercises at my conference, each person is going to have to realize that, hey, we're really not the competition and that, you know, just because we're both coaches doesn't mean that we do everything exactly the same. And if we work together, we're going to do a whole lot more in the long run than if we fight with each other. I think that's a brilliant idea. Yeah. It, the challenge in all of these activities is how much competition do you want to encourage? Because it's particularly uh, big companies and corporations, they are set up in a competitive way. And so they are very familiar with that mindset. On the other hand, as we also know, if, if competition is taken to its illogical extreme, then it can be very cutthroat and it can be a very negative feeling and it can be non-bonding and, and non-relationship building. If, you're, if, if, if you, everybody leaves taunting and teasing each other or sabotaging each other, then how does that send the message that we're all in this together? We're all under one umbrella. We're all part of one organization. And so you don't want to leave people with that. And so uh, it's always uh, my challenge is how can I still have a game, which games do tend to have some, unless you're playing a, a complete co cooperative game and those are out there, there tends to be uh, some question of someone does get the highest score and someone gets recognized for that. And, and I think that that can be fun, but I think it needs to be tempered in some way. So for example, I never say the word winner, loser, or competition during my programs. All I say is I challenge you to get a perfect score. I challenge you to get the highest score. Sometimes I'll even say, I challenge you to get the highest score that's ever been achieved on this hunt and break the world record. I love it. And that is very interesting because now you are challenge yourself against a milestone or a landmark rather than 
comparing yourself to others. Sometimes I'll even say, okay, we're going to take all of your team scores, put them together, average them, and I'll let you know how you did against other companies. And that can be interesting. Yeah. The other thing that I'll do is I will very often have a team activity, a large team activity. All the teams work together, and I'll do that before the hunt just to sort of seed the idea that first and foremost, we're one organization. And so I'll do uh, some sort of a big team activity. Then they'll split up into small teams. And at the end, we'll do a final big team activity. And so there's a lot of ways that you can still say we're having a fun game and there is a, there definitely is a winner, but let's not get carried away. Let's not make the competition be a disruptive force so that we leave here more disjointed than when we started. That's not the purpose. I love it. I love it. The Business Success Unlimited Patreon page is now live. Patreon is a simple way for you to contribute to this podcast every month. And in return, you'll get exclusive benefits, such as a monthly live Q&A with Nancy and a business book club. If you're interested in becoming a VI pig, we would really appreciate your support in keeping our independent production going. You can find a link to our Patreon page at don'twaittillpigsfly.com. Thank you so much. It's amazing, and I've never really, uh, yeah, there have been, like we mentioned earlier, there, there are other things out there that are similar slash different, but I'm not sure that there's anything else exactly like what you do out there. How did you get started doing all of this? Well, I think you uh, hit it right on the head, Nancy, that sometimes you have to bring something in the world that doesn't exist. And particularly if you're looking around and you're trying to to find a fit in some organization, uh, for many people that works fine because somehow or another your values align with the uh, values of the organization or the founders. But sometimes uh, for me uh, in particular, I just couldn't find it. I couldn't find that thing that would uh, really truly excite and engage me. So I had to bring something new in. And uh, I didn't know what that was going to be. It was, it was not easy. Uh, what finally happened was I decided, okay, if I'm going to pr- perhaps start a business, what would be the core components of it? What would be my touchstones? That maybe if I figure out what I love doing, I can build something out of that. And so when I sat down and I said, okay, well, what do I love doing? Well, I love traveling. And I, I really love uh, traveling. I spent mo- met much of my 20s uh, in Japan and then flitting around through Asia and uh, in Europe. So I, I have always loved exploring and finding cool places and then in some way trying to share them with people. I was also a tour guide for a while. So I love travel. I love working with teams and groups. I was a resident advisor in college. I taught English in Japan, of course. I worked as a tour leader. And so group work has always been something that excites me. To take people from a disorganized group of people who don't know each other to a lean, mean, fighting machine where they, they're bonded and they're efficient. I love that process. And then the third thing is I have always loved puzzles and games, like incredibly enthusiastically. That's all I did when I was a kid. I would get together with my friend Mike and we would play every board game and then we play them again. And then we find new ways, like, you know, combining games. You know, we, we go through a, a book of, of card games trying to figure out, okay, what's, what, what can we play? So we would do this after school on the weekend all the time. This was our thing. So I thought, okay, how can I combine games and puzzles, travel, working in groups, working with groups? And I came up with this idea. And uh, it was an idea that was already out there 
Treasure hunts are a very, very old and traditional idea. There are many, many movies. Uh, even now, uh, every few years, someone comes up with a treasure hunt movie, like National Treasure, Indiana Jones, The Da Vinci Code, uh, Rat Race, The Goonies. And I just, felt, I just thought, if I can take that concept that is so fun and engaging, combine it with my other interests, Let's see what happens. And then right from the beginning, I wanted it to be a team building event. I didn't want it to be a public event with cutthroat competition. Like in the movies, I wanted it to be something where people would be really exploring social dynamics, really exploring how you can get to know each other and become efficient. And this is what I came up with. And uh, uh, fortunately, other people have shared my enthusiasm. So I've been able to do this for 23 or 24 years. Wow, 24 years. That's incredible. How do you maintain your energy day after day? <laughs> well, fortunately for me, uh, since it's based on my three biggest interests, I'm usually doing one of those three things almost every day. You know, if I'm not, some days I'll be out scouting a new treasure hunt, which means I need to go to a, a new area. It could be a, a park or a museum or a neighborhood and walk every single inch of it, every block, poke my head into places I shouldn't. You know, and uh, and take notes and find wonderful discoveries. Other days I'm out facilitating a program, and other days I'm at uh, my office working on uh, new clues and trying to figure out new uh, puzzle ideas. So that's helpful that I just get to do some of my favorite things uh, almost every day. But I think it's also as an entrepreneur, you have to be very resilient and you have to be gritty because there are days when you don't have enough work. There are days when you're doing bookkeeping all day and it's boring. There are days when uh, you're making calls and uh, it's cold calls and the clients are not happy to talk to you and, you're, and so you get a lot of no's. So you have to, to energize, charge your battery. And there's nothing new to, to, to what I do. There's no secret. You, you have to eat right. You have to get enough sleep. You have to exercise. I'm a great advocate of meditation, which I do every day. And uh, <laughs> I've, I've recently taken, uh, I just... Uh, was listening to an interview with this uh, amazing fellow named uh, Wim Hof, who, uh, who talked about taking a cold shower every morning. No, thank you. <laughs> I felt the same way, but apparently it does all sorts of amazing things to your system and to your brain. And so I've been trying it recently and I cannot tell you how absolutely mu much more alert I feel after I've done it, but uh, it takes all of my willpower to do it. But I mean, again, that's what uh, I think being a successful entrepreneur is really all about is, is having the discipline to put in place all of the structures that will make you the, the, the best version of yourself. And, uh, you know, for me, it's, you know, I eat a plant-based diet and I, and I exercise and run and I, uh, and I meditate and I do all these things. And it's all at the service of being absolutely switched on from the moment I get up in the morning without sounds coffee. Like, sounds like a wonderful life. <laughs> It's not easy. There are times when I just want to sleep in and, and, and go have a croissant, but you know. Sounds like, like a, I'll see you later. That sounds like a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. You talked a couple of minutes ago about making cold calls and having people say no and, and not being happy to talk to you. Who is your ideal client? Who is it that you want to be as passionate about doing something like this as you are and to say, yes, where do I sign up? Who are you looking for? Well, I'm really looking for a manager who specifically feels like uh, that this team could be more. This team could be more efficient, more powerful, more bonded, more engaged. And they identified this. And they're not exactly sure why, but they feel like 
you know, there is much more that this team is capable of. And those are the people I'm really looking for. And usually, like I said, it starts with they just don't know each other very well. And so I'm looking for people who are coming uh, very often for a meeting and they've got people coming in from all over and they, they know that these people haven't had much face time and that if they could get people in the same place on a common activity with a common goal, with common motivation, so they could have that experience of sort of going to battle together and then the memories that come out of a structured project together. I think that's uh, the kind of group I'm looking for. So usually it's a manager who is very excited about engaging his team, but very often it could also come from HR and it could also even be an office manager because there are a lot of different people that initiate this kind of activity. Sometimes it's the executive assistant who goes out and searches and uh, under express mission from their, from their boss. So there's a lot of different people, but uh, sometimes it's the whole company. Sometimes it's one department. Sometimes it's a sales team. Uh, it, uh, it really varies, but it, it usually comes down to a manager who thinks that their team could be more. And, I, and I'm here to help. So it's generally a larger company. If, if uh, somebody came to you that said, I own a, a five person office, can you help us? Yeah, I'd say it's, that's, it's generally true, that it's generally a, a larger company, but it's not always. It could be, I, I've done lots of programs for nonprofits. I've even done fundraisers, which can be a lot of fun because you have a lot of people coming in. Uh, sometimes it's a, it's a whole office. Some, you know, we, it seems like over the years we've done a lot of programs for dental offices where they've got 30 people in the office and let's just get everybody out of the office to, to really build some morale, build some rapport. So it could be a, a small company where it's, the, it's all hands on deck, or it could be a department or division of a larger company. It really completely varies. That's interesting. Speaking of dentist's office, that just popped something in my head. One of my earlier podcasts was with this great um, guy who he and his wife own a large dental company. And, you know, I'd, I'd be happy to put the two of you together because oh, I think he might be really interested in doing something like this. He's, He's very um, excited about doing the most that he can for his employees. So I will will send you his name and I'll actually contact him too. But if you go back and look through my my podcasts, you'll you'll find him in there. (laughs) Thank you. So often the, the biggest issue with team dynamics is that because people don't know each other and they... And, and human beings are tribal, they'll see other people outside of the tribe as the other. And we, of course, see this in our politics today in our divisive country. And when you see someone as the other and see them as somehow less human than your team, you know, they're, they're less human, then it's very difficult to put yourself in their own shoes. I mean, how many people would put themselves in the shoe of, of a cow or a pig or some other uh, non-human creature, and and of course, which I think is well worth doing. We do it with our dogs and cats all the time. But when you don't put yourself into other people's shoes, then obviously you're going to have an issue with empathy and you're going to have an issue with trust. And I think that's what we're really trying to build is people walking in other people's skins for a little while and building that trust. And uh, any anyone who sees that and is enlightened enough to see how much impact that ha- has to the to the joy and engagement that being bring to work, that's what we're really looking for. Well, and I think, don't we as business owners and as potential clients, uh, you, you hear the word trust constantly. 
And, you know, you have to build trust before somebody's ever going to work with you. Well, I think we have to, as business owners, we have to be able to put ourselves in our potential client's shoes. Absolutely. You know, understand what it is they're looking for. And at the same time, allow those clients to be able to reach out and trust you and to be open and honest and have integrity in, in order for your clients to buy from you as well. But Nancy, what is trust exactly? How would you define it? Believing what somebody says, I think for me, I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> well, actually, I've done a little study of it. It's one of the things that I get out and speak about quite often is that there actually are five components of trust. And usually they're not broken down, but it's really helpful to think about it. For example, Usually when people think about trust, they think about the fact, does this person walk the walk and talk the talk? In other words, are they reliable? Do they follow through? Do they do what they say they're going to do? Are they worthy of trust? And I think that's absolutely one. Reliability is absolutely key to trusting someone. And uh, it also breaks down into, uh, does that person overpromise? Because if somebody said, and I think it's really important, if you want to be trustworthy, you have to tell people, this is what I can do, and this is what I can't do. And then people will, will trust you. So you have to absolutely be reliable. And, you know, as soon as that happens, uh, that someone is unreliable, trust goes out the window. But that's not all. You also have to be competent. You have to actually be good at your job. So you have to spend your 10,000 hours to be really excellent at your work. And then you'll be, you'll be trusted. But there's still more. You have to be sincere. And we all know that if someone is caught in a lie, you know, your trust goes, uh, again, it goes out the window. It goes uh, running away. So you have to be sincere. When you're arguing a point, you have to, to have really thought about it and considered it. And you're not just arguing for the sake of arguing, but you actually believe it and it's true. Uh, you also have to be somewhat vulnerable and transparent in your feelings. Because if you've ever met somebody who keeps all of their cards to the vest and you never know what they're thinking and feeling, it's very hard to trust them. It's a, it's one of the reasons that even if someone is really loud and crass and you're like, oh, that person is really inappropriate, you still feel a little bit of trust because at least you feel like that person is real and that person is not candy coating it. At least you know where they're coming from. You know, and that's why you have people who you, you would say, how could those people be friends? They're so diametrically opposite. How can that Democrat and that, and that Republican be friends? It's because they actually feel that the other person is authentic. That person is saying it, saying it from their heart. And even though I don't agree with it, I do like that they are truthful and transparent. But you can be all of these things. You can be competent, reliable. You can be sincere. You can be transparent and authentic. But you can still lose trust if you're missing one factor. And that is, what's that? And that is. (laughs) And that is, you have to be caring. It sounds so simple. But it's the one that actually supersedes all of them, that if you are caring, people will trust you. You know, if you honestly listen to them, you put their needs before yourself. If you're a manager and you're saying, here's what I can do to help you with your career goals, even though it won't help me, but I want to push you forward. That goes so far. And even if you're occasionally unreliable, even if you're occasionally get caught in a little white lie, if you are honestly big hearted person, that one goes the furthest. And that's why I always tell people, you know, at the end of all of my programs, I'd like you to sit, look your teammates in the eye one by one and tell them what you really appreciated about what they contributed today. 
what they did that impressed you so much that you really truly appreciated. Because you have to have that piece where people see that you care about them, see that you recognize what they bring to the table. And then you, and then of course you say it back to them. And I think that that one is so huge. So all of those components together build trust. And uh, I'm always just, uh, a lot of times I will actually front load this and just say during the activity today, please attempt to practice these five components and it will go a long way. I love it. I love it. And it makes, it makes so much sense. Um, we're having a, a major issue with the CEO of our local hospital here in town. And probably three quarters of the town was at a town hall meeting last night, ganging up on this guy because he gave people two days notice that he was closing down the hospital and that 60 people were losing their full-time jobs and nobody had known anything about it. So he's everything that you're saying about trust. I'm, I'm thinking, cause we went to the, we went to the talk, you know, he's not honest. He couldn't look anybody in the eye. He couldn't answer any questions. He could care less. He just said, no, I'm not resigning. I could care less. I'm keeping my paycheck. You know, he's, he would promise to do things and didn't come through on him. And I'm going, this guy's got to go. He doesn't fit any of the characteristics of trust. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's sad, but I can see from an absolutely practical point of view, everything you just said, I've got right in my head what that means and what that shows when it doesn't happen. And and you're so right on. Well, mostly people just feel it instinctively. I trust that person. I don't trust that feeling. I don't know why. I can't articulate it. It's just a gut feeling. But actually, when you break it down, you actually can see, oh, yeah, it's, that's the reason. I, I trust that person because they're honest, or I trust that person because you know, I, I, I just get the feeling that they care about me. And of course, uh, people in sales use that all the time, right? Yeah. But uh, I think it's a, it, you can be intentional about it and be a much more powerful leader. I love it. I love it. That's just, I'm going to, once we get off of this call, I'm going to go, okay, what can I do to make sure that I am much more of that kind of a person? (laughs) I think it's really important that we all, you know, just as human beings, regardless of whether we're business owners or, you know, employees or anything, I think just as human beings, we need to take those things into consideration and do the best we can at them. Thank you. Yeah. It's kind of like in, in, if you think about Star Trek, you had Mr. Spock and there were some people that had trouble trusting him because of, of the way that he approached things with logic that he didn't necessarily demonstrate the caring. And isn't that true that there, are, you, there will be people in your office who have a certain kind of personality and you're like, I don't know, that person's not warm and fuzzy and squishy, but somebody else might trust that person because that person is extremely competent and reliable. So it, it, all, it does also come down to the personality they're working with. So you have to understand the personality of your clients and be trustworthy in a way that they value and appreciate. Absolutely. That's so important. Well, Dave, thank you so much for today. This has been an absolutely wonderful conversation and it's leaving me with a whole lot to think about and work on. I know, and I'm sure that my readers do too. If, if anyone out there would like to reach out to Dave, I'm sure he would be happy to talk to you. How could somebody send you a message? Well, they can, of course, email me. It's dave at drclue.com, which is dave at drclue.com. That's my website as well, drclue.com, drclue.com. And so 
come to my website or give me a call, send me an email and we'll be right in touch. And of course we're on all the social media outlets that you have to be on these days. We have a, a great Facebook page, which is called teamwork hackers. I love it. I love it. That's great. So if there's anything that you would like to leave the audience with, what would that be? I would encourage people to adopt a treasure hunt mindset in your life. And for example, when I am out scouting a new treasure hunt, I try to approach it with insatiable curiosity and a childlike sense of wonder. And I'm looking down low to see what I can find. I'm looking up high and I'm poking my head in here and I'm poking my head in there, just wondering what new wondrous treasure will be around the next corner. And I, I would encourage people to, to approach every day with a sense of intrigue and a sense of mystery and a sense of wonder. And if you can be a, have that treasure hunt mindset every single day, then even walking around your house, uh, you know, you never know what opportunity is going to come next. So be a treasure hunter every day and, and you'll enjoy your life. I love it so much. And that's a wonderful way to end this talk today. Everyone listen to these words of wisdom and Please download this episode, like it, share it with all of your friends. It can be found at Don't Wait Till Pigs Fly, Thursday evenings at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. And you can hear Dave's presentation as well as many other wonderful words of wisdom from other business owners out there. So until we talk again, go out there, be productive, don't wait for pigs to fly, and let your business soar higher. Talk to you all again real soon. Y'all take care. Bye-bye.